Warshak, if you're online, we are so glad that you're with us this morning. This is an exciting morning for us. My name is Pastor Art Hansen. I'm the care pastor. And one of my premier ministries is to lead the marriage mentoring here at Friendship Church. Now, the, the back story is, you know, Pastor Matt asked me two years ago to lead the marriage mentor ministry. But you're supposed to be trained. Well, I never got trained. Um, don't ask my wife about that question because that would be kind of silly. But um, I was introduced to Matt Lair and his wife Pam. They are the founders and the directors of our marriage mentoring ministry called Dare to be Different. And so I've been able to meet with them over the phone the last two years, and I've enjoyed that. They're great ministers of the Lord, and it's just a pleasure partnering them with them in ministry. Matt has spent the weekend with us. We have like 10 couples that are trained as marriage mentors. And Matt has spent the last two days with us training us deeper in how to come alongside our marriages and help build them up and strengthen them. And so Pastor Matt Clausen asked if I would introduce him today. And boy, I tell you, that was such a task. I mean, you didn't come here to hear me. You know, we came here to hear Matt. So I'll share this with you. He's a really good guy. Matt? Well, good morning, everyone. All right. Well, again, you know, my name is Matt. Uh, and so there's a lot of Matts around here, right? Matt, Matt. And I guess that's a prerequisite to be a preacher is here is Matt. And I'm from Iowa, and so uh, when I say Iowa, on the count of three, you guys just yell out what you think of. I say Iowa, one, two, three, you say? Iowa. That's a lot better than the first service. <laughs> Did anybody say potatoes? No, because no, you're smarter than that. Everywhere I go, all throughout the country, people think Iowa is potatoes. That's Idaho. But I will say, somebody yelled at me this morning and said, go Hawkeye, so God bless you, whoever that is. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. See if you can hold on to that vision for the next few months. Hey, listen, I'm here this morning to bring a message to you called, How to Fix Your Spouse. Raise your hand if you know of a spouse who needs fixed. Raise it really high. All right. Who pointed? Who pointed at your... He's like, hey, over here. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about this message, and if you're here and you're younger, I want you to stay tuned in, and if you're not married, especially if you're younger, you're like, oh my goodness, he's talking about marriage, I don't want to listen, you know, uh, I'm going to tune out, don't, and here's why, it, marriage is right around the corner for you, believe me, it's going to come quicker than you think. Plus, I'm going to speak directly to those of you who are not married this morning, because I want to talk about your future wife or your future husband. And so stay tuned in. This is for you. And if you're here and you're not married and you're older, maybe you're widowed, maybe you're divorced, and you're like, I'm never going to marry again, I want you to stay tuned in because God's going to send you people who are broken. Their marriage is broken, and they want answers, and they want hope. And they're going to come to you, and it could be a son, a daughter, a, a grandchild, a neighbor, a friend. And I want you to be ready to give them a formula, a biblical solution to their real issue. And if you are here married, happy, glad, sad, or mad, this message is for you. And I brought my little toolkit with me because I want to talk to you about the tools that we use often in relationships 
But before I do, I've got to start by clearing the air. Uh, None of us have a perfect marriage. What I want you to do really quick is turn to the person next to you, look right at them in the eyes, and tell them this. You're not perfect. Just tell them right now. Just take a minute. Yeah. Yep. Stings a little, doesn't it? The sermon is over. Let's go home. None of us are perfect, and I married a woman. Her name is Pam. She's beautiful. She's smart. She's strong-willed, and I married a woman who's strong-willed, and uh, she's strong-willed. Did I say that yet, Pastor Matt? She's strong-willed. Raise your hand, men, if you married a woman who's strong-willed. Keep it up really high, really high, really high. Oh, there he's pointing again. Let's pray right now for you. I love that about Pam. It drew me to her. And and by the way, you read Proverbs 31, you're going to find out that uh, that woman, that this great godly woman, she is strong-willed. And I love that about you, ladies. And so I was drawn to that. It's an amazing thing. And I was drawn to Pam, uh, the strong will, like a bug is drawn to a zapper. You know, if you just think about it, think about it, you know, And I want to talk a little bit about that. And when we, before I get into Scripture, I want to take, I want to take you to a couple passages this morning. But, but marriages often start with trouble coming right out of the gate. And if you're not married yet, you're, you're going to be experiencing these things. And, and we all have luggage, right? We have baggage. We have issues. We have habits that we learn when we're little. And, and when I very first uh, got married, Pam, we sold her condo and she, I moved her into my home. And I go over to her house, her condo, and we load up all of her furniture. We're going to move into our new home or my home. And, uh, and we load it all up, and she comes up to me, and she puts her hands right on my shoulders, and she looks at me, Matt, when we drive across town, she goes, drive slow. I'm like, okay, okay. And then she climbs in the trailer, and hooked up to my truck, and she puts her arms around her furniture so none of it will get scratched. And I watched my wife, this woman, climb into a trailer and I watched her, I'm just, I'm, I don't know a lot about women, but I'm like, I'm watching her, and I'm like, this must be what wives do. And we take off. And all of a sudden, very busy intersections, very busy city, large city, lots of traffic. I saw a Taco Bell, and I got hungry for a taco. The problem is the light turned yellow at the intersection. So guys, what do you do when a light turns yellow? You, so I gunned it, completely forgot she was back there. And I whip it to the left, and I whip it to the right into the Taco Bell, and the trailer completely became disconnected and passes me. She doesn't even know it. She's just bouncing around, hanging on, and I yelled out the window, Pam, hold on! And that thing slammed right into Taco Bell. So she gets out, and then I get out, and we exchanged words. And then I go in, and I get three tacos, because I worked up an appetite here. And I'm sitting there by myself looking out the window at this brand new wife, and, and she's just outside shaking her head like, what in the world did I just marry? And that's often how we get into marriage is we bring our issues and our habits and our patterns and our hurts, and, and we, start to, we start to clash, and we start to have conflict, and we start to use our tools. We start to use our, our tools to fix other people. And the first tool this morning that I want to sort of talk to you about is the tool, the hammer. And often we use this. We grab this pretty quickly. And my question is, as a godly man, as a, as a man that wants to be following the Lord, why is it that I grab this tool so quickly and so often? Why is it? 
And the Bible says that human anger, here's what it says, man's anger, here it is, never produces the righteousness of the Lord. And it's not an accident. I don't accidentally get angry. It's a choice. It's a decision. And we learn when we're little. And we grab this tool. We grab this tool. We use it. We use it. We use it. On a sister or a brother, a mom or a dad you're not happy with, or a teacher or a friend. And we bring this into marriage, and it's a habit. It's a pattern. It's a tool. And as I look back at my life, and I really think of the times that I've used this, and I replay the video in my mind, i got to answer the question, has it ever been productive? And the answer is no. It's not productive. It doesn't fix anybody, and it wounds everybody I love, and I'm guilty. How about you? And the next tool that we often use to fix relationships, and we learn this when we're like three years old, I call it the screwdriver of manipulation. I'll behave in a certain way to get what I want. I'll show you. And in marriage, that can often be, you know, a husband might pull back his affection. He'll quit holding her hand, quit opening her door. He'll quit communicating. He'll go silent. Or wives, you can do the same. You're like, I'll, I'll show him. I'll fix this. I'll just, I'll go cold. And we learn how to do this in friendships and relationships. And I don't know if you've ever put these two things together, but often anger is a form of manipulation. It's like, you either give me what I want when I want how I want it or deal with this. What do you want to do? And I use this for manipulation. And I'm guilty and it never fixes anything. How about you? The next tool that we often use, and this one we really learn when we're young, it's a little handsaw. You can't quite see it from where you're sitting, but it's got these little fine teeth on it, and it cuts, and it cuts quick and deep, and it cuts both ways. And I call this just simply words of contempt, words of criticism, words, words, words. I'll fix you, words. The Bible says that words have the power of life and death. I could interview every single one of you. And I could find a time in your life where somebody spoke words into your life and it made you feel valued. It made you feel like there was no ocean you couldn't swim, no mountain you couldn't climb. That words, the Bible says, are powerful. A father speaking to a child, a mother, a friend, a pastor. But I could also interview every single one of you and find a time when somebody hurt you. Words hurt you. Somebody spoke uh, uh, to you in a way that cut and hurt and went deep. And in marriage, that just, it just tends, why is it in marriage we say things we would never say to a stranger? Words. Finish this quote for me. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words, they'll never. That's a lie from Satan. Words can destroy. Words can hurt people for a lifetime. I do a lot of counseling. Words can cause trauma. There's been times in my marriage I was not happy with Pam early on, and I, I knew what I was about to say was going to hit and hurt. I, as soon as those words left my, my lips, I was like, oh, I wish I could grab them and bring them back. But I can't. It's too late. They hit their target. They did their damage. And I'm guilty. How about you? I only have a couple more. This is sort of like a guy thing. I don't like what my wife's saying. don't like what I'm hearing. I'll fix her. Earplugs. I can tune her out. Got, ladies, you can tune out your husbands as well. You know, you can tune them out. But often when we don't listen to the Holy Spirit, when we don't listen to what the Lord says to us directly, uh, the Lord wants to speak to us through other means. And often the number one means by which the Lord speaks to you is through your spouse. Are you listening? Or are you tuning them out? By the way, no different with 
godly friends or godly people, no different than the pastor, you know, I, I can tune out the Lord through all the other means by which he tries to speak to me. And I've done it. I'm guilty. And lastly, have you thought of all the things you could do to fix your spouse with duct tape? And I kind of look at duct tape as a fighting for power and control in a marriage. Whose role is what? And today in our culture, the answer to that question is far, it's far more uh, crazy in today's culture than it's ever been. Whose role is what? And we're fighting for power and control. And this, by the way, if you read the, in Genesis, the Bible says that when Adam and Eve fell to sin, there were curses that fell upon mankind. And one of the curses was Eve was going to fight for the position of Adam. And so this power struggle has been going on since day one. And sometimes I want to fix Pam with duct tape. And sometimes you're not happy with somebody in your relationship, and so you want to fix them with duct tape, and I want to take some off. I'm, Honey, come here, get a little closer. I want to fix you. Come on. And you want to silence your spouse. And the truth is I need duct tape, but not for Pam. I need it for me. This morning, as you're all sitting here, and I'm praying that as I'm going through these tools, you're, you're thinking of yourself, and what tools did you bring in the room? What patterns have you developed? Well, what tools do you tend to grab so often and, and so quickly? And I want to use a word here that defines what these tools are. It's your flesh. It is my sin nature. We all are born in the flesh with sin nature. And the Bible says, every single day, I must die to my sin nature. Must die to it. These are, this is my immediate knee-jerk reaction when somebody hurts me or upsets me. It's my flesh. And I was early in my marriage, and I was upset with Pam, and I was praying to the Lord about my marriage, and, and, and God said, Matt, put your tools down and get out of my way. And I never heard or thought of that before. And, and I, I'm like, Lord, what are you talking about? And he says, put your tools down, your tools. You're in my way, God says. And in my stupidity, I kept asking the question, what do you mean? And God says, every time you use your hammer, you're hurting your spouse. You're hurting her. Your tools are hurting her. And now, Matt, not only is she hardened hearted towards you, God's like, she's now hardened hearted towards me. And now, Matt, God said, she won't listen to me because of you. And oh, by the way, Matt, get off my throne. I created her. I created marriage, God says. I heal people. I, I've got a timetable where I'm developing your wife. I'm maturing her spiritually, God says, with my timetable, my methods. Get, get your hands off of it. You're to be her lover and her friend. You're to be her lover and her friend and to lead your family and to love and love and lead and serve. And I'm the one, Matt, that fixes people. You can't fix your spouse, nor should you try. And I was like, whoa. And so I did. I'm like, okay, God, I'm sorry. I repent. And I took my hands off, and I got out of his way. And so this morning, if you can relate with me, and if you've been there, and you've done that, and you can see the pattern in your life, what tools you brought in, then you got to ask the question, what can I do, Matt? What recourse do I have when i got a friend or a spouse or, or, or a parent who it, it just, they mis mistreat me, they, they hurt me, they wound me? What do I do, Matt, to fix a relationship? Well, I'm glad you asked because the answer is right here. The Bible has the answer to every life question. 
And I want you to grab your Bibles this morning, whether they're digital or whether they're uh, in your hand. I want you to open up to 2 Chronicles 7.14. And in this passage, I'm going to talk a little bit about this special formula that God shows us on how to fix hurts and wounds and broken relationships. And I've seen it all over the country. We have 40,000 mentors in 15 different countries. I've seen God do this miraculously so many times I can't even believe it. And I'm going to share this formula with you this morning. Now, let me give you a little backdrop of this passage. This message, or I'm sorry, this scripture is not a, a scripture on marriage. And, and what happened here is there was a temple that was just built by Solomon. And the temple was this a, a massive, amazing, iconic moment and temple. And then God speaks right here and he says, okay, this Formula is how you reconcile to me, God says, to his people. It's like saying to you guys, hey, God says, we got a problem in our relationship. This is how you fix our broken relationship. And in Hosea chapter 2, if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to read Hosea chapter 2 in the next few weeks. Because God says multiple times in that chapter that he is our husband and we are his wife. He refers to all of us as Christians, as believers, as his bride. We are his wife and he is our husband. He uses that vernacular. And here's what he says in Hosea chapter 2. My wife, my people, have committed adultery against me, which is the greatest crime in a marriage covenant. My people have committed adultery against me. And then he says, my wife, my wife has committed adultery. He says, here's what I'm going to do. And now I'm leaning in. This is what God's going to do when we cheated on him. He says, I'm going to chase after my wife. He says, I'm going to make it so that my wife is no longer satisfied with her lover. And I'm going to make it so that she wants to come back to her first love, me. And God says, I'm going to make it that she's going to forever want to be my bride and I will forever be her husband. And I'm reading this going, wow, that's how much God loves you. And I thought, if this formula works in restoring a relationship between us and God, I think it's going to work in my, my real marriage, in my today relationships and so with this as a backdrop, let's take a look at what the scripture has to say. It's a formula. Here it is. If my people, stop right there, if. And, and, and so my background is in engineering, and I like to do math, and I like to do code writing. And if and then are actually mathematical statements. If my people do these three things, then. You always see the word then in the formula. If you guys do this, God says, then here's what I'm going to do. And you can count on it. I've seen it. Literally, you can count on God's mathematical promise. He says, if my people who are called by my name do three things, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, number two, seek me, number three, turn from your own wicked. Now stop right there. <laughs> when I first read this years ago and I wrote this sermon, I read that word wicked and I'm like, oh, he's not talking to me. That wicked, I'm not wicked. You're here this morning. You got beautiful family. We're not wicked. He's talking about the pagans who hate God. And I'm like, so this scripture, it doesn't really fit. And then God's like, uh, Matt, come here. Every time you use your flesh tools, they're wicked. They're wicked. Every time I use my tools against other people, my wife, my friends, they're wicked. Every time I use manipulation or, or, or my method, it's wicked. I am wicked. My sin is wicked. He is talking to me. This verse is for me and it is for you. 
That I would turn from my wickedness, my selfishness, my, my knee-jerk reaction and just trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said, if you would just turn from your ways, then, oh, I love this, then. Let's look at what he's, his promise is. I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive you for your sin. And I love this word, this is what our whole ministry is built on. And I'll heal your land. I'll heal your marriage. I'll heal your wound. I'll heal your heart. I'll heal whatever they did to you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to help get you healthy. I don't care what anybody did to you. The response to other people's sin, my response to other people's sin is my responsibility. And God says, if you trust me, if you just follow me, I'm going to heal you and I'm going to give you a supernatural ability to love people who don't deserve it and to give mercy to those who don't deserve it and to be kind so that, you're a, so that, so that through this formula you're going to be the best dad you could ever be because you're not wounded. You don't walk through life a big wound. The best mom you could ever be, the best husband, the best wife, the best friend. Oh, have I seen this scripture work. So let's start with number one. We're going to break this down for you this morning. He says step number one. By the way, I believe it's a chronological mathematical formula, not just random. He says, first step, first step, first step, humble yourself in every situation. Somebody hurts you, somebody lies to you, somebody mistreats you, somebody betrays you, somebody cheats on you. God says, first step, humble yourself. Could it get any harder? I mean, it's hard enough to be humble, folks. But it's a hundred times harder to be humble when you're mistreated. So I'm like, God, could you have picked something a little easier? He's like, no. Humble yourself. Humble you. And I started to dig into the scriptures on, on this word humility. I found it over 88 times in scripture. I also found that if there's one character trait that I would pour into my children, if there was one character trait that I would focus more on than any other character trait, that for some reason, the Bible tends to say that God honors this character trait over and over and over in scripture, it'd be humility. Humility. King David committed adultery, he committed lies, and he committed murder. He murdered an innocent man who was a, a soldier for him to hide his sexual sin. Yet, I found later that the, God said, I favor David. And God's anointing never left David. There were consequences, but God's affection never left David. And other kings, like King Saul, King Solomon, other kings had failed God. But for whatever reason, God just favored this guy named David. So I'm studying. I'm like, God, why? What is it about David? And then I found in Psalm 51 that David did something that husbands are not doing today on a very large scale. David did something that wives are not doing today on a very large scale, even in churches and even as Christians. That when David was confronted with his sin in Psalm 51, he did something that was so amazing. You should read it. It's one of the most beautiful chapters you'll read where the king King David, he fell on his knees before God and he wept. And he cried, out to, he cried out to the Lord. It's like he tore his clothes and he cried out to God. And he says, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I've sinned against you. And only you have I sinned against. And I believe that that humility that he had as a king is why God favored him. It wasn't that he was perfect. It wasn't that he didn't make mistakes. It was his humility. I just have to imagine as, as, Dave, as King David did this, and by the way, think about it for a second. How would it make you feel to see President King, okay, President King, same thing, 
President Biden, President Trump, President Obama, President Clinton, just go all the way, President Bush. How cool would it be to see any of them on television to get down on their knees and just repent? Oh, what would God do to our nation? It's one of the most beautiful things we could ever do. Do what David did. And I got to imagine when David repented, God's like, hey, angels, come here, come here, come here. Everybody, look, 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 look at him. And David's lying flat on his face, crying. And David goes, or God goes, hey, that's my boy. That's my boy right there. And God's affection never left him. It's a big deal. Taking that step of humility is a big deal. I, I, my dad used to tell me, if anybody hurts you, Matt, uh, take them out to dinner and you buy. And just love on them. Just love on them. That was sort of like a, a code my dad taught me. Somebody hurts you, take them out to dinner, and, and you buy. And just love on them. Don't defend yourself. Let God do that. Just love on them. I'm like, this is crazy. So if any of you come up and get really mad at me just for a free dinner, I'm, gonna, I'm on to you. <laughs> but do the opposite of what my flesh is telling me to do. What are some practical things that you can do this morning to take steps towards humility? Let's talk about a few. Matter of fact, in Romans chapter 12, it says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Your enemy. Who's your enemy? Sometimes your enemy is going to be your spouse. I'm just going to tell you that's how it is because we're all human. We all battle our sin. The enemy could be your spouse. It could be a friend. It could be a, it could be a coworker. If you're young, it, it could feel like somebody at school. And this scripture says, do the opposite of what you're flesh. Feed them. Give them drink if they're thirsty. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? But see, God gave you something that nobody else has if they aren't, aren't believers. Believers have something. It's called the power of the Holy Spirit. God gives you the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, which is a supernatural ability to love people that don't deserve it. God gives you this. Are you using it? Are you tapping into the Holy Spirit's power when you're hurt? And by, that's the only means by which can we do this. Love people who don't deserve it. Take a long, hard look in the mirror every time there's conflict. What could I have done different? What, what did I do wrong? You know, with Pam and I, what, you know, there's always something I could have done better. Take that step of humility. Don't return fire with fire. Somebody uses their hammer against you, keep yours in its holster. Boy, does that take humility. Somebody gives you sharp words of contempt or, or accusation or crit put duct tape on. Bite your tongue until it bleeds. Boy, does that take humility. And isn't it hard? Yeah. I never said this would be easy, but it's powerful. Be humble. I got into an argument with Pam one time. I got really mad, got in my truck, and I tore off and I squealed the tires. I was like, I'll show her. And I just tore off. Anybody here ever do that? Raise your hand. Anybody? There's a few more honest people in this service. The last service, not one hand was raised. And I get about two or three blocks away, and I'm, I'm worked up, right? I'm, 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 I'm using my tools, and it feels good, right, for about two seconds. And the Lord knocked on my head. Hey, Matt, what are you doing? And I'm like, God, this is not a good time. Can you come back later? <laughs> what are you doing? And you know what I did? This is what we often do. If you've ever been angry and hurt, and you know you're not acting, you're not responding very well, I had a whole list of grievances against Pam. I was like, God, you know, she did this, she said this, she did this, she said that. God, look, look what she did. That's what we do. It's, it's kind of like what Adam and Eve did when, when they got caught. Oh, she did it. 
And God said to me, I'm not talking to her. I'm talking to you. What are you doing, Matt? I called you to be a, a man of love and patience and kindness. I've given you the Holy Spirit. I've given you a supernatural ability. I've shown you the way. You're not doing it, Matt. What are you doing? You're, you're failing. And the Holy Spirit just split me right down the middle. This all happened in milliseconds. So I take my truck and I pull into a grocery store right there. I'm like, okay, God, I, you got it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love her anyway. And I pulled into a grocery store to buy her flowers. Have you ever bought somebody flowers when you were mad at them? It's really weird. And I walked up to the counter, you know, I'm still a little jacked up. And I'm like, yeah, I'd like to buy my wife some flowers. And I got the happiest little high school girl in the world behind the counter. It's kind of irritating, but no offense to high school girls. And she goes, oh, you're so awesome. You're a great husband. <laughs> what kind do you want to get her? <laughs> Cheapest kind you got. Whack off the heads and wrap the stems. No, I didn't do that. And I bought her these flowers, and I put them in my pickup, and I turned around. I'm going straight home. I'm going straight home. I'm going to make it right. The Holy Spirit, go before me. And I kept looking at the flowers, and I kept replaying what I had done. I kept replaying how I had behaved. And I pulled in my driveway, and I put the truck in park, and I'm sitting there, and I just started weeping. I'm like, I'm such a fool. This isn't the kind of man I want to be. I know better. And God says, if you want healed, Matt, humble yourself and seek me. And I did. And God started working on me. Now, I was hoping like in the movies, I'd kick the door open and hand Pam the flowers and she'd fall into my arms. <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen. But a couple days later, Pam came to me and she said, when you walked in the door with those flowers, it made me glad that I married you. Humble yourself. How about you this morning? What are some steps you can take to humble yourself? Maybe you need to make a phone call. Maybe you need to write a letter. Maybe you need to meet face to face. Maybe you need to give a hug to somebody that doesn't deserve it. See what God can do. I got one last thought here before we move on to the next piece of the formula. And this one is sort of a stark, uh, serious moment. And it kind of raises the hair up a little bit if you're a parent. The number one teaching agent in the life of a child is you. And they're going to face conflict, your children in the future. And they're going to face all kinds of things. And the number one way that they're going to learn how to deal with conflict is by watching you. And the number one way they're going to learn how to be humble and lean into a wound rather than run from a wound is by watching you, watching you, watching you. Show them. Show your kids how to be humble. Show your kids how to take that step. Show them. Teach them. I don't have time this morning to share the countless times I watched my father show me how to be humble and love and serve and care for my mother when she was unruly, and vice versa. Let's move on to the second piece of the formula. God says, humble yourself, then seek me. Seek me, God says. Seek me. This one really frustrates me because after training and speaking with 
couples all over the, the world, you know, that want out of their marriage. I'm like, hey, have you sought God? No. Have you read what the Bible says about marriage and forgiveness and patience and time and, and, and the power of the Holy Spirit? No. Have you met with your pastor? No. Have you met with any Christian to talk? No. I just want out. I just want out. And oh, this breaks God's heart because God's doing this the whole time. Come, come to me. Put your marriage right here in my hands, God says. Give it to me. Let me show you my power. I know how to fix this. God says, I got the, I've got everything you need. Give it to me. Give it to me. Come. No. I just want out. We live in a time where marriage and relationships are what I call throwaway. They're, we're in a throwaway society. Throw it away, get another one. Throw it away, get another one. It's fast food. I want my meal in three minutes. I want my marriage to be fixed in two minutes. And if it's not, throw it away, get another one. And this breaks God's heart. And God says, come to me. Seek me. Come on. And if that's you this morning and you want to seek God, I'll give you a couple ideas on how to do that. Read what the Bible says about relationships. It's full of some of the best psychology you'll ever find. Seek him. Pray fast. Pam and I would fast from time to time together. Very powerful. Or here's one. Seek help from someone else who loves the Lord. Because when you are struggling and your compass is a little broken and you don't have the abilities and you seek another person in the church who's not perfect but strong, when you seek them, you're seeking God through them. And it's a beautiful thing. And that's why I'm here, marriage mentors trained in this church. And so right now I want to call a time out. I want you all to pull up this card, married or not, Happy or not, everybody just pull these cards out. Take a peek at them. By the way, we got two options here. If you want to be a marriage mentor and help other marriages strengthen and survive and, and become healthy, sign the card and put your name, check the box. It says, I want to be a mentor. I want to help the church. But if you're here this morning and you need a little bit of help or a lot of help in your marriage, sign it and check the box. We want mentored. And we're going to pair you up with another couple three weeks, five weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, and you're going to fill out a marriage assessment and they're going to start tackling some of the areas of conflict and they're going to show you how to humble yourself, seek God and turn from your habits and, and have a, a, a healthy marriage. Why? Why is this so important, Matt? Because your marriage is more than a marriage. Newsflash, your marriage is more than a marriage. It is a platform that God built for you to, to fulfill your calling and your anointing and for your children to find out what their calling and anointing is and so that God can, can work through you to your children and his anointing and his calling to be warriors for him is gonna, is gonna follow your children and their children and their children. Your marriage is more than a marriage and Satan wants to destroy it. So if you're here this morning and if you're online listening, or if you're in the Shakopee campus right now, all I'm asking you to do, you got about 20 more minutes, 15 more minutes to wrestle with this because I'm going to have all of you turn this card in, signed or unsigned, in the offering plate when it's over. So there's no embarrassment, no awkwardness. No one's going to know. And we're going to take all the cards, signed or unsigned, in both campuses, and we're going to sort through them. And, and whoever signed it to get mentored, we're going to pair you up with a couple privately. It's confidential. There's no embarrassment. Get help before you get out. Or as another way I'll say it is fix your marriage before it's broken. Fix it before it's broken. And that's my prayer. God says, seek me. 
Seek me. I'll be at my table afterwards if you want to talk to me. I've got a couple products for you to spice up your marriages. I got a little date night uh, experience to spice up your date nights because married couples tend to, to just talk about kids work and money. We got a way to remedy that. This message is on a little travel drive if you want to get it and give it to a friend who's struggling and other things. Just see me. I'll talk to you. Seek God. Seek me, God says. Seek me. Well, that leads to the third step of the formula. Humble myself, seek God, so that I can now turn from my flesh. You see, my observation in doing this for nearly 20 years now is we want it backwards. We want God to heal us first. Hey, God, here's, what, here's the formula that I want, God. You heal me now, then I'll become humble. Hey, God, you heal me now. You fix me now, God. Then I'll do these other things. And God says, no. Humble yourself first. And I found four or five scriptures that support this, this idea that choosing humility first is crucial to find healing. And God says, humble yourself, seek me. Now that you've done that, you can turn from your flesh. And now I want to call a timeout. I'm going to speak directly to the young ones who are not married. Here it is. I'm going to start with the young men. A couple of young lads sitting here. I see some Beautiful young ladies, here it is. I want you to make a promise this morning. I'm going to start with the young men. Make a promise to yourself. Here it is. You're going to meet a girl someday, okay? And she's going to make you all wobbly. And you don't understand why you're feeling so weird, like you ate bad pizza last night. And you're not going to understand all of it, and that's okay. But she's going to blow your mind with how beautiful she is and the way she flips her hair. Did I do that right, anybody? Matt, did I, was that? And here's the promise. I don't care how pretty she is. I don't care how popular she is. But I want you to be an investigator first. And if she doesn't know and love Jesus, don't go on one date. That's your promise to yourself. Don't go on one date. Because I want you to marry a woman who loves the Lord, and when you get married, she's going to have a supernatural power to be the best wife that you could ever deserve. And when you have bad days, and I have bad days, and when I come home from a bad day or I mistreat Pam, often her response is she dives into the word of God and she prays for me and she lifts me up. And I want you to have a wife who, have a, who has a superpower from the Lord. And if she's not a Christian, if she doesn't prove that she's a Christian, she doesn't have that. And I want, I want to protect you. I want your future to be bright and full of God's blessings. And ladies, I don't care how good looking she, he is. I don't care how wealthy he is. If he doesn't love Jesus, be an investigator. Figure out how he treats his mother. Figure out how he affirms and, and he loves the Lord. And if he has proven himself to you, then you can go on your first date. But I want to save you from all kinds of heartache. Can you make that promise this morning? Amen, parents? And if you make that promise, tell somebody. Tell somebody. Humble yourself. Seek the Lord. Turn from my flesh. And I'm going to probably have a life, not without trouble, but I'm going to probably have a life that is unbelievably blessed by the Lord. Full of power. Full of blessings. Turn from my flesh. 
Start to understand the feelings. Of this. That's my flesh talking. That's my emotion. Don't trust your emotion. Your emotion will lead you right into a wall going 200 miles an hour. Don't trust it, the Bible says. Don't trust your heart. Trust the word of God. Trust God's word. Trust, a, trust your pastor. Trust your leaders. Trust other Christians. Trust a marriage mentor when you meet with them. But I don't trust myself. So I want to end this morning with a story. And some of you are like, man, Matt, you seem really jacked up over this subject. You seem super passionate. Is there a deeper reason, Matt? Yeah, there is. And I'm going to share it with you. And and I want your full attention for this next 60 seconds or so. Because I don't think you'll ever forget this. A guy came to me and said this, shared this story with me that forever changed my life. Here's what he said. I got married at a young age. My girlfriend at the time was 14. She got pregnant. How hard would that be, right? That's not a great way to start a marriage, but she got pregnant. He was five years older. They both came from poor families, broken families, messed up families. They had zero, they had zero idea how to have a healthy relationship. They weren't saved. So he takes her to the justice of the peace. They got married. She's 15 when they had their child. He goes off to the military, comes back, has another child. They're working two, three jobs, barely making enough money to pay the rent. Marriage is horrible. It's, it's crumbling. They get saved in a little church, but their marriage gets worse. He comes home from work one night, and there was a note on his refrigerator from her. Here's what it said. I don't love you anymore. I've been seeing someone else for the last few months, and so I'm gone. You can have the girls. And this woman abandoned her post as a mother and she abandoned her post as a wife. And there he stood. He stood at a crossroad. And I want you to know that in life when somebody hurts you and wounds you and they cut you and they, 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 they uh, uh, abandon you or any of those things, you have one of two paths to choose in life when you're wounded. Not three, not more. You have two. One, I call it the path of contempt where I'm going to hold you in contempt for what you've done to me. And I'm going to hold you in contempt, which leads to all kinds of things, including I'm going to be wounded probably for the rest of my life. Or there's a path over here led by the Holy Spirit, and it's the path of forgiveness and mercy and grace. Lord, I don't know how to, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to blindly trust you, Lord, and I'm going to love her anyway. And that's the path he chose. I don't know how, but he did. And the weeks went on and the months went on and the friends and family thought he was nuts. Like, what are you doing? You deserve to get out. You deserve to be happy. And he says, no. No. I'm going to trust in this. That's the mother of my children. No, I'm going to wait and see what God can do. I'm going to humble myself and seek the Lord and turn from my flesh and see what God can do. The months went on and it got really tough. About a year later, he got a knock and he opens the door and there his wife stood, broken, scared, lonely. Will you take me back? He says, yeah. He puts his arms around her and he brings her into his chest and he forgave her. And that couple stayed married 60 years. And they had four more sons. They had four sons after that that would never be. And one of those four sons is me. Do you see it?
Do you see what God wants for you? You see, my dad had no idea when he chose to love my mother for that one year she's with her lover. He had no idea what God's blessings would be. He had no idea that a son, would, an unborn son, would leave a career and train 40,000 mentors all over the world to fight for marriage and fight for Jesus. My dad didn't know that. He had no idea that him and my mother would fall in love around their 20th year of marriage, 25th year. He had no idea that they would become inseparable. He had no idea. And you don't know. You just don't know what this path is going to bring you, but I can promise you it's going to bring you some blessings that will blow your mind. Humble yourself and seek the Lord and turn from your ways. I used to call my father after every trip when I started 15 years ago. Hey, Dad, I was in New York City. We trained uh, 5,000 couples. Hey, Dad, I was in Canada, in California, Friendship Church. And, Dad, I just want you to know that this is all happening because of you, because you love my mom when she didn't deserve it. And, oh, by the way, Mom, you're a hero, too, because you came home. Hey, Mom, you came home and you repented and you, you came back to the Lord. You humbled yourself and you sought God. It couldn't have been easy for her to knock on that door. And look what God did, Mom. But see, I can't call either one of them anymore because they're both gone. My dad came to me about three months before he died and he said, Son, I want you to officiate our wedding at a little chapel. They've never got married in a chapel. And he said, I, I, I want to I walk down the aisle with your mother and I want, to, I want to redo my vows. Would you do that? Would you officiate? I'm like, yeah. And so over here were my brothers, the groomsmen. And over here were my sisters. And, they're, and all of a sudden, they came down the aisle with their walkers. And my dad stood tall. That's what I want for you. And I want God's anointing to flow through you to your children and your unborn children possibly and all that comes after you. Would you humble yourself? Would you seek him? Would you turn? Let's pray. Father, as I close this morning, I can feel your presence. In this moment, Lord, I pray that you, you put clarity in the minds of all of us, Lord, as what to do now. For some of you, you got to sign that card. Don't leave this morning without signing that card. And if you're online, uh, reach out to the church, but take that step. I pray for Pastor Matt and his leadership skills and his marriage and his wife and his kids and the, 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 that this church would be a lighthouse, Lord, beyond its imagination for the dark and the lonely and the hurt. I pray for the mentors who are going to be meeting, that you would continue to bless them and guide them. Lord, we lay all this at the foot of your cross. In your holy name we pray.